You're listening to a Church Doctor production. Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Hi, I'm Kent Hunter, a church doctor with some fascinating insights about civility and the way we treat one another. You know, civility means respect. And it's a hot topic in our world of news media, the internet, and the way we act toward one another, even in the church. I've asked some very special people to read my book called Restoring Civility, Lessons from the Master. For this series of episodes, I've interviewed different people from around the country. They have raised some amazing insights. I found these interviews to be absolutely fascinating, and I think you will too. My guest for today is a very good friend, Mark Sattler. He's in Ohio, and we've known each other for several years now. He happens to serve on the board of directors of Church Doctor Ministries, which is a really great blessing for those of us who work at Church Doctor. And um, Mark, you're um, you were uh, you're retired now from being a healthcare administrator, uh, and I'd like you to tell us a little bit about that. And then also, you have kind of a new gig, uh, something to do with politics of all things. <laughs> so anyway, tell us about the healthcare, and then tell us about this uh, politics thing. Sure, sure. Thanks, Kent. Well, I've. Uh... Uh, I was involved in healthcare for um, over 40 years. Um, I was um, in in patient care for a number of years in um, radiology, and then in health went into healthcare finance and then healthcare administration. The last 15 years, I headed up our um, system laboratory at our uh, local uh, healthcare system. It was uh, a wonderful experience. I just I, I loved being in healthcare. Healthcare's changed a lot over the last four decades. I retired about three years ago from from healthcare, and I, I still following all of this, the COVID nineteen issues and how important um, the uh, laboratory testing is going to be. I mean, right now there's there's such a shortage of testing. And uh, the big thing that's coming is they'll be able to, to check antibodies and see who has already had it, even if it was asymptomatic, which means that if things hold true to uh, other kinds of diseases, they should have some immunity for some period of time. That'll be huge in trying to get our country back to work. But, uh, oh, it's just, uh, I, I love seeing how people are rallying around their healthcare workers. Um, some of our local hospitals, um, community members are, are, are walking around the facility uh, on prayer walks where they are parking, no, not in groups, I mean individually, or, uh, there's a, or there can be a long line of cars with people parking and praying for the healthcare workers inside. Uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful, it's inspiring and uh, well, I well, yes, I kind of miss it. Um, it's you know, my time has passed. Well, inspiring is the word that I felt uh, came to mind when you were explaining that. Uh, that is really great. Uh, and uh, 
You know, I thank you for reading uh, my new book, Restoring Civility, uh, Lessons from the Master. And that is sort of a civil thing to do, isn't it? To pray for those those people and um, uh, and and uh, to, to, to gather around and, and show support for those people that are on the front lines, as they say. It really is. And, and for years, um, people, uh, too many people haven't really recognized how important healthcare workers are. But boy, when you need them, they're there and you realize what kind of risks the healthcare workers are taking they're placing themselves in harm's way because that is what they're trained for and and that is what they're motivated to do is to help even if that puts themselves at risk um it's it's um a little bit scary when you hear about healthcare workers who are putting their own families at risk um by coming and going, or some of them have said, you know, I don't want to take that risk. I'll separate. I'll isolate from my family. Um, and and we have some first responders who are living in um, other housing so that they don't expose their 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 family, their extended family, their their children to that risk. That's amazing because they're then at war during their shift uh, with this. Uh, <laughs> this powerful uh, enemy, and then they're all by themselves if they're not with their families. So they're, they're lonely on the one hand and overwhelmed on the other. That's amazing when you think about it. It, it, it is. I mean, our, our, our president has characterized this as a war, not just a battle, but a war. And that's, and that's what happens in a war. I mean, the, the people that are fighting the war um, are often um, separated from their families they for long periods of time and and yeah and they're and and they're putting themselves at risk um so i have um nothing but praise for the first responders the healthcare workers and it's not just doctors and nurses either it it's there there are housekeeping workers there are people that are part of the supply chain there are truck drivers that are moving supplies there are uh, people working in grocery stores who are trying to make sure that we have food and and uh, essentials. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that are um, essential workers and are and are helping to keep uh, basic infrastructure in place so that uh, everyone else can um, help by staying home and and um, interrupting the spread of the virus. It can't spread if people don't move it doesn't move on its own so um we're, we're all praying that uh you know for for an end to this plague and um uh, i i think it's i think it's coming but um it's you know we're not quite to the peak yet there's there's going to be a few more months of this different existence and then we don't really know what what things are going to be like after that share a little bit about your uh, political hat. Sure, sure. So after I retired from healthcare, um, you know, it was great. I got I got a lot of projects done around the house, and then kind of um, started to get bored. And uh, unfortunately, um, one of I live we live in a township, and one of our trustees suddenly passed away unexpectedly. And I was already active on um, our, our zoning commission, and I was one of ten individuals who, who applied to fill the vacant, uh, the unexpired term. And I, I was fortunate enough to be selected. And um, 
served for uh, about a year and a half uh, for the rest of that term as a township trustee and um, um, in November uh, was reelected to a new four-year term. So um, it's a little bit of a part-time gig uh, as an elected official here in our township. It's an opportunity to, to live and demonstrate servant leadership. And uh, I, I had all my, all my career in healthcare I just seen too much internal politics, and I, and I, you know, in organizations, and I didn't really like the partisan politics that you see on TV and in the news. But uh, and so I always thought I would steer clear completely and never have anything to do with politics. But I guess God had other ideas. So this this has been a really um, it's a really neat experience to um, to realize that you know you don't have to engage in those kinds of partisan politics. You can engage in service, and uh, and that's that's really how I go at this. Some days there you know there there's not a lot that comes in. Other days there's a lot of phone calls, <laughs> but uh, it's it's a it's a wonderful opportunity to be able to serve our community. Well, that's great. Uh, civil servant, uh, which uh, brings us to civility. Uh, <laughs> you've, uh, you've had a chance to read uh, my book, Restoring Civility, Lessons from the Master. Uh, did you gain any new uh, insights uh, for your own life? And, and uh, uh, as you reflect back on your hospital administration work, uh, and also as you uh, devil in the politics of your township, uh, uh, if so, what uh, issues of civility might have helped you from the book? Well, I um, I really did enjoy the book um, very much so. And uh, as I as I read it, I, I took notes. I I, um, I really enjoyed the perspective, uh, your perspective. Thank you. There are um, there are so many so many thoughts in terms of civility. There were a number of. Um, insights that you offered that really hit home. Even in the introduction, um, you had a statement of respect given is respect earned. In our current society, I mean, even, even outside of COVID, we've been seeing a decline in civility, a lack of respect to the way that too many people treat each other is in, in a disrespectful manner. And my takeaway from, from your statement in the intro is that people just, they're not gonna show us respect until we give them respect. And, and isn't that what everyone deserves? Everyone deserves respect. Also in the intro, uh, you, you talked about life done God's way. And in our situation, um, as I look back, so many stories that I won't go into, but um, but it's so true. Um, life done God's way just works better than than trying to do it on our own. He gives us rules, and if we follow them, things work a whole lot better. You know, Mark, I want to ask you a question about that. You uh, you know, as we're recording this right now on our daily news, the last few days, uh, this is a moment in history where. We've got a number of states that are closed down pretty strongly and a lot of people out publicly protesting, um, gathered together close by each other. Um, how does that relate to civility? We have the right to demonstrate according to our constitution. We do. But yes. we have this new normal going on right now. How do you sort all that out? 
Well, I, I believe that civility to me means there's an element of, of obedience in civility, you know, because they're, they're, because our, our creator really set the tone for how we are to behave, how, how we are to treat each other and how, and, 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 you know, we are all made in God's image. Every one of us is an image bearer and how, how can we be disrespectful to God's greatest creation that bears his image? That's everybody, that's all of our neighbors, every, everyone else. As a healthcare worker, um, a re- retired healthcare worker, I, you know, I, I know a little bit more, maybe a little bit too much um, about health risks. And this is frightening that people are there. They, they've got, if you will, they've got cabin fever. They, they're tired of being isolated. They, um, they believe, you know, some people, because they have not been hard hit personally, by the virus, by the illness, by the disease, they're kind of rationalizing maybe that it isn't that serious. And you're right, when people gather in groups, uh, they demonstrate, um, they go back home, uh, they come back out. Um, you, you know, the virus moves when people move. If people don't move back and forth, then it doesn't move. One of our friends, a good Christian man, had early on, not, he, he doesn't have any healthcare background. Early on, he made a statement uh, when, when the, the, our governor was starting to roll out the stay-at-home order. He said, I'm not going to run and hide. And it, I thought about that, and I believe that he felt that it was a cowardly thing to do um, not to be out there and interacting. And... I think he had it backwards. We need to think differently, not about protecting, I'm trying to protect my health, but I am responsible for protecting the health of everyone around me. If you, if you understand how all of the masks work, that not, not the N95s that the healthcare workers are wearing, but, but all the homemade masks and fabric masks everyone else is wearing, it is. It doesn't protect them. It does not protect the wearer. It is to protect all the, the other people around the wearer from the wearer. So, um, I believe that these people that are out there demonstrating and purposely disobeying the rules that are put in place by our elected leaders are um, exhibiting disrespect for everyone around them, and whether it's out of selfishness. Um, out of personal frustration, but um, look, we're going to go through tough times in our lives. And if we, it just doesn't work very well to focus on ourselves. It works a whole lot better to focus on others and and try to do things that um, are in the best interest of all. Well, throughout throughout the book, the civility issue is about respect, isn't it? It is. And I wonder um, what other things that you might have learned uh, that were helpful to you as you uh, look through that? Well, um, you know, I, in, in chapter two, you made a statement about free speech is not a license to be rude. And I think that our current society gets that a little bit confused. I mean, yes, we will say that that 
we have freedom of speech and we can say anything we want. Well, yes, we can. That doesn't mean that it's okay to say hurtful things, to say disparaging things. You know, it, it, it doesn't mean that it's okay to be rude. It's not. But too many people, unfortunately, are concluding that, you know what, I can say anything I want and there's no consequences. Well, there are consequences to one's own character and to, and it, it can be hurtful, harmful to the people around them. You also talked about, about laws and we have probably more laws on the books now than we've ever had. It just, I mean, we just keep adding more, more laws each year. Um, even if you make your profession in the practice of law, you can't be familiar with all of the law. You, you end up specializing in different sectors of law. So how can anyone uh, follow all of these myriad of laws that are out there? Um, they, I think they do their best, but no one is knowledgeable about all of the laws. And besides, laws are transactional. You can, you can make a law to cover a particular situation, and then someone will think up a slight variation to that situation and and say well i didn't break that law because my situation's different laws are transactional but you know you you you're, the point that you make in the book is we don't need more laws we need transformational behavior we need to transform our behavior and and that's really what we want we want people to be to behave in a respectful manner that doesn't require that we have to check okay what this law or that law is it okay if you know if you if we're behaving in a manner that is respectful and in the best interest of society or the organization then um, that's probably not against the law that's probably exactly what was intended um, you also talk about humility in your book the world needs more humility i mean jesus set the example i mean he was a very humble servant i mean he said i did not come to be served but i came to serve that's what we need more of we all want others to be humble but too often we behave as if humility in ourselves well that would be a weakness so i don't want to show that weakness but i want everybody else to be humble um i just don't I struggle with why we as a society cannot grasp the importance of being humble. Why, why not think of others? You know, why is it that some people seem to act as if humiliating others means that they win, but they don't? Good point. Yeah, very good point. Well, in, in the research for the book, um, one of the things that uh, I actually was surprised i had never thought about that when i learned about how the word civility really reflects whether or not we are civilized people that civilization without civility is not civilization it is part of another realm of of uh, like animals uh, even animals have more civility sometimes than human beings uh, in terms of how they respect one another not always but there's a key connection between civility and being civilized how does that reflect in your mind about our behavior as a civilization you're right i mean civilization everything harkens back to that root of civil 
how can we have a a successful and enduring civilization if we don't behave in a civil manner if we don't and that means to me that we treat each other with respect we there are certain norms and expectations that we uphold and that we don't break and you're right i mean if people in our civilization in our society do not behave in a civilized civil polite manner um what does it do it 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 destroys our society from the inside out and the the it does a lot of harm you you see, you see a few people behaving in that way and pretty soon it looks like they're getting what they want and you're not getting what you want how many people then say well i guess that's the only way to behave if i want to get what i want so then pretty soon it it um descends into a free for all i mean aren't we horrified when we hear stories of people going it's going to stores and then and then fighting over certain supplies whether it's uh the day after thanksgiving and they're fighting over the limited supplies of uh, of uh, certain popular christmas gifts or whether they're out there fighting over the last pack of toilet paper it's <laughs> it's disappointing it, when you think about it, these are these are supposed to be people created in god's image who are supposed to be respectful to one another and they're supposed to love one another uh, what it, it it can be very disappointing but i guess it's important for all of us to remember that you know what we don't have to react to other people's behavior we have the opportunity to choose how we respond and uh jesus modeled that he did not return evil for evil he he blessed he submitted he was loving he was forgiving and um too many people today think well yeah i'm not i'm not going to get walked on like that but that's what god calls us to do to be forgiving to to be loving and to encourage and to be compassionate and if you're on the receiving end of encouragement compassion forgiveness love oh it means so much it really does you know mark one of my uh, one of my uh, weaknesses i guess is uh i i'm kind of an energetic guy that likes to pack about 25 hours into a 24 hour day and i i mean i just love life and i like to work and i love our work uh, helping churches and helping christians to to do a better job and impacting our our world but uh as i was writing the book <laughs> i i came to a realization that in my desire to uh, cut corners and make the most of uh, whatever I'm excited about, <clears throat> I found myself sometimes uh, driving uh, the speed limit a little bit faster than the limit re required. Uh, I would set my uh, speed control a couple miles an hour faster. And uh, having working through the book and writing this book, I came to the conclusion that that's just not right. A little bit isn't right, you know. Uh, and I, I realized that 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 is not only my safety, but it's disrespect to the law, it's disrespect to life, it's disrespect to other cars on the road. So I, I actually, my life actually changed writing this book. I, I'm embarrassed to admit, but I'm proud to say that I, I actually changed my habit 
and I set to the exact speed limit now, and I watch all these cars zoom past me. <laughs> you know, and uh, and it, now I'm struggling with I'm going to judge all those people, which I shouldn't do anyway. But I, <laughs> but this is a true confession that I've had that this uh, this book actually changed not only that but other areas of my behavior. Um, did you? Did, did you come across anything that gave greater insight to your behavior or, uh, you know, besides talking about what, what we see on the news and, and, the, and the big picture, any personal confessions? <laughs> well, I, what you cite is, is, I mean, I went through something like that not, not that long ago, a couple of years ago, and I came to the decision that, you know what, I, God calls us to be obedient and you know if this if the speed limit is 60 well 60 means 60 not 65 or you know you hear that okay well the police radar doesn't trigger until you're seven miles over well, <laughs> that's exactly um, what i used to say <laughs> so so i so for a for a few years for a couple of years now i've been i've been doing exactly the same thing as what you're doing i set my cruise control right at the speed limit and you know you can bump it up or down one mile an hour to to, to tune it which is which is very handy. Um, I get no. Um, there's no shortage of eye rolls that I get from other family members, <laughs> because you're right. Ninety-five percent of the cars on the road um, pass me. It's like, but you know what? There's one benefit that that I can point to, and that when you roll through a hidden speed trap you feel fine because it's like, I, I know I'm going the speed limit. You know, you almost want to wave to the officers as you go by saying, it's, I'm okay. <laughs> but, um, but no, I, you're right. I think it's a mindset. If we're, and this is, this is part of our lifelong, um, if you will, sanctification. We, we, tr we try to become more Christ-like, um, throughout our entire lives and, and one challenge after another um, we, we make that decision am I am I going to be obedient here or am I not going to be obedient it, it it does feel good I, I do you know I, I always used to be bothered by oh look at all the cars that are passing me I'm losing the race <laughs> <laughs> but now it's like no I will still get there um, and I'll get we'll get there perhaps even more safely and and um, yeah, I, I, I have that confidence that, okay, now in this particular aspect of my life, yes, I'm trying to be obedient. So it's a matter of um, um, how, how many more uh, areas are there that, that I can become aware of, that I can try to be more obedient. And uh, I, I think it gives, honestly, I think it gives us peace if we know that we you know, in, in, in those those areas that we're aware of that we know that yes, I'm doing my best to be obedient. I have to tell you every once in a while, if, I, if I'm if i late for something, I'm tempted. And sometimes I do, it's like, I, I don't, I do not feel good about this running three, four miles over the speed limit just because I'm late. No, you know what, I'll be late. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, uh, in the book, I quoted a lot of Bible passages uh, as I went through the, through the process of writing this book. Uh, I did a lot of research in the scripture, and I just wondered, uh, were there uh, any scripture teachings that uh, provided new insight for you personally? Uh, 
And if so, uh, what would you share what those might be? Sure, I, I did, um, you know, there's, a, there's a couple that, that I picked out uh, that you quoted that I really like. I mean, John 13, 34, a new command I give to you, that you love one another. That's, that's kind of the essence of civility, respect for one another. Uh, we're supposed to love one another, feel compassion for one another instead of um, hostility and trying to uh, overcome each other. You know, we're, we're, people are not the enemy. <laughs> the enemy is unseen, kind of a, just like this virus is unseen, an unseen enemy. I also uh, liked Ephesians, which, by the way, is one of my favorite books of the Bible, but Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only that which, but only, only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Um, how, many, how many people are out there um, tearing each other down um, as a, as a, um, as an elected official in a small community, one of the best ways to keep tabs on what people's concerns and issues are is to monitor the Facebook group for our particular township. And it's not something that the township puts out. It's a, a private individual started it and probably 60 some percent of the township is on it. And so you can get a flavor for what people's issues are. And it's, it's saddening when you see um, someone express an opinion and then, and then all kinds of, of conflict occur uh, when it descends into name calling and um, um, ridiculing. It's like, eh, people, no, this is, this is not helping. And then James chapter three, verse eight, the uh, second portion of that verse, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Well, isn't that the truth? The terrible things that can come out of our mouths if we aren't careful. Once, once it rolls off the tongue, you can't pull it back. But the impact on others can be lifelong. Well, you know, it's interesting, even though I've spent my, my entire life, my adult life, uh, in Scripture and preaching and teaching and writing, uh, from scripture, I was really surprised at how much the scripture is just full of, of material and information about how to be more uh, civil, uh, be more respectful to other people. It must be a big deal for God because it's a big deal for us, uh, I, I really think. Uh, would you recommend the book to uh, to others, uh, Mark? Oh, I, very, I, very much so. I, I think that it would benefit all of us to think more deeply about the inherent respect that is deserved by God. And, you know, we aren't just one of his creations. We're the creation of which he is most proud. I mean, you go back and read Genesis, and every day after in during during the six days of creation, the first five days, at the end it was, and it was good. And he declared it good. And then at, on the on the day that he created humans, he declared it very good. Well you know, we're, we're, the, we're, we're the creation that he's most proud of. We're the only creation that he said, yes, I will sacrifice myself for them. Um, so for us um, to recognize the inherent respect 
that we owe to God and that by extension, we really owe to each other. Uh, so much good could come out of that if more people come to that, that realization. And not that they just accept everyone's behavior as fine. No, but we need not attack other people's behavior. Instead, we can, we can try to encourage people. We can focus in on, on the, the, the demonstrations of goodness that, that people exhibit. Why not focus on the good? For sure. Instead of bad. Yeah, for sure. Well, I want to thank you, uh, Mark. I thank God for creating you, and uh, I thank God for uh, putting us together. And thank you also for uh, uh, taking a look at the book and reading it, and uh, I just pray it'll be great for you as you continue to work that uh, life of trying to be civil. God bless you. Thank you, Ken. Thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity, and uh, thank you for speaking with me today. Take care. God bless you. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Check out Kent Hunter's new book, Restoring Civility, Lessons from the Master, available at Amazon.com.